Pastors, for inviting me back to speak. It's been a while, <laughs> quite a while. But tonight, um, I'm going to be speaking on prayer. And the reason I'm speaking on prayer, because it just seems in the last week, I've heard people say that they're really intimidated by prayer. They don't feel like they know how to pray. And sometimes they're intimidated because they hear other people pray and they think, I could never do that. And I know I've felt that way myself. And other times people try to pray and they have good intentions. You know, you get five minutes into it and you're done. You know, you think, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> or you're, you're a really diligent, zealous person and you say, okay, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to pray for an hour. So you get up and, and you, you force yourself to pray for an hour because you promised God you were going to pray for an hour. <laughs> and you think, man, <laughs> that was tough. I remember hearing Andrew Womack, he was giving a little testimony about this. It's probably something that happened to him quite a long time ago because he's gotten past that. But he, he was getting up early to read the word and he was going to pray. And he did this, you know, he's a very zealous kind of a person, so I'm sure he gave it his best shot. And he enjoyed the, the part about reading the Word, because he's a teacher, he loved the Word. But when it came to praying, he came to dread it. You know, he thought, that hour is coming up, and I am dreading it. So one day he decided, he just said, God, I'm dreading this hour of prayer. And God said to him, Andrew, I'm dreading it too. So, <laughs> so, so he, had, he changed the way he prayed, you know. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to, something has to change. So I, I want to talk tonight about prayer from the perspective that it's not that difficult. It's not that hard. The Word has so much to say about prayer. I, I couldn't even begin to cover it all, but... I'm just going to bring out some points that may help us to see the simplicity of it, especially the fact that it's a relationship. It's not a work that we have to do to please God or to appease our own consciences in some way. So let's start by looking in Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15. <laughs> We're going to see what Jesus had to say about prayer. Matthew 6. You know, speaking about being technical, I would have, I like to print off all my scriptures, but I'm having some technical issues with my printer, okay? <laughs> so I, I'm just looking them up in the Bible the old fashioned way. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 5 and. I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing, but most of it. So Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is in the seas in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And then we have the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to read through it. But one of the things I will say about the Lord's Prayer, it's short. It's not a long one. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stop there. Yeah. So one of the things we see here is that you said the hypocrites love to pray because they want to be seen of men. So this is public prayer. And I think most of us are intimidated by public prayer, actually. But they they weren't really talking to God. They were just trying to impress people. And again, it maybe it made them feel good in some way, too. But God says, uh, go into your prayer closet, whatever your prayer closet may be, and in secret, talk to your father. And, and he, I, I'm glad that he said your father. He's telling us that God is our father. We're not, I, I, I don't think the, the hypocrites were praying to their father. They, were, they probably, I don't even know who they were praying to. They were just, <laughs> just talking. But we're praying to our father, and that, that brings an intimacy and a, a closeness for us when we pray. And he said, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do, because they think they're going to be heard for their many words. Well, we don't have to have a lot of words, necessarily. You know, a sincere, heartfelt prayer to God is probably far more valuable than a long prayer. So if you, if you want to pray for an hour and you can pray for an hour, that's great. But you don't have to pray for a whole hour all at once. You know, you could spread it out during the day, too. And not only is Jesus um, giving us some good advice here, but he's a good example for us, too, because we know he prayed a lot. And we don't always know what he prayed. We, but one of the things we see is the result of his prayer life. And um, let's look in John 5, 19. See what Jesus has to say. John 5, 19. Jesus said, then, then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And I'm thinking he probably saw some of that in his prayer life with his Father, that when we're, we can be like Jesus, we can pray to the Father and see things. Have you ever had that happen? Seen yourself doing something? seeing something in the next day that God wants you to do, or off in the future. So I would say Jesus' prayer life had a lot to do with it. And then in um, John 12, just prior to John 15, or no, we were in John 5, yeah. We've got to move forward here. John 12. There's a lot of good, good stuff in John. Verse 49. So he says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should say and what I should speak. So he's hearing again from his Father what he should say. He's seeing something and he's hearing something. So this is directing the way he lives his life every day and ministers to people. But I would say it's probably coming from his fellowship with his Father that he's having. 
And one of the things we see in Jesus' life is this oneness with the Father. Now, one of the prayers that we do have of Jesus in the Bible is John 17. And I just want to look at a few of the verses there. We'll start in verse 1 when you're there. So Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So one of our, his goals, his prayers for us, is that we would have eternal life, and that would be knowing the Father and the Son. And probably up to, up to that point, the, the disciples, they had Jesus with them every day, but they didn't know the Father the way that Jesus did. Okay, further on, let's go down to verse 20 in chapter, same chapter 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may know that you have sent me. So he's praying for us too, not just for those disciples. And he's praying that we would have oneness with him and the Father. And then verse 26, the last verse, And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Again, that oneness. He wants us to share in that one spirit with the Father and the Son. Also, just going back to chapter 15, oneness is important and abiding is important as well. So John 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That, that statement always gets me. Without him, we can do nothing. So our prayer is in fellowship and communion with him. And that's sort of a, a basis from which we minister in our everyday life and live our lives. Let's see, and I'm just going to read verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so will you be my disciples. So in that place of abiding, we can ask, you know. Now, we also have a helper in the Holy Spirit when it comes to prayer. We can't, because really we don't have the Father and the Son right here with us in the room, but we do have the Spirit living in us. That's who Jesus has given us to help us. So I'm going to go to Romans 8. This is, we know this one. It's a very well-known scripture concerning the Holy Spirit and our prayer. Verse 26 and 27. So likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we see here that the Holy Spirit is our helper in prayer. They're talking a, a kind of a, a specific kind of prayer, which is groanings. I don't know that that's something I've experienced a lot of, but you can. <laughs> and we're going to go back to John again. Good old John. John chapter 14. This is about the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So in prayer, the Holy Spirit can bring things. I'm sure we've all experienced that. You think of people, places, situations, things you would never have thought of on your own, but he can bring them to your remembrance. And then we'll just go to John 16, verses 13 to 15. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So this is how we, one way we stay in that unity with the Father and the Jesus. The Father's giving instructions to Jesus. Jesus is giving them to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's giving them to us. So we're staying in unity, and we receive instruction and prayer in, in every area of life, for that matter. But we really depend on the Holy Spirit to help us. Now, this, uh, this is something we hear about all the time, but faith is really important when it comes to prayer. And I've got here, I'm going to talk about both of these, faith and not doubting. So we already have faith. If we go to Romans 12, verse 3. Sometimes, you know, we say, oh, I don't have enough faith. Well, we really do have enough faith. We just have to use it. <laughs> you know, we've often heard the comparison to muscles. We've all got muscles, but we've got to use them if we want them to work for us. Some people use their muscles more than others. And it's the same with prayer and faith. So verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one. Now, here it says a measure of faith, but I'm told it's the measure of faith. Yeah. The measure. So we all have the measure of faith. So we can't say we don't have faith. And Hebrews 11.6, I know that we hear this one all the time, but it's worth looking at again. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we come to God in prayer, we're, we want to diligently be seeking the Lord. And we do so in faith, knowing that he hears from us and will answer our prayers. And one of the things that really helps us to build our faith muscles is the word of God. 
So Romans 10, 17, we don't have to go there, but it, I think I'll just quote it because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So that is so key is to keep our focus on the word of God. There's so much going on around us all the time to distract us and get our eyes off of God. So hearing the word is huge. Now, I want to look at Mark 11. Mark 11, and I'm going to start at verse 20 on this one. Mark 11, you know, I don't think a week goes by I don't hear somebody quoting Mark 11. (laughs) And it got to the point, like, I was sick of hearing Mark 11. I just zoned it out, you know. But God kind of got after me, and he said, you need to put your eyes on that verse. Maybe you're, you're kind of sick of it too, I don't know, but we need to look at it with new eyes. <laughs> so I'm going to start at verse 20 just to, to give a little bit of the context. Now, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So we know the story, Jesus cursed the fig tree the day before, but they didn't see anything for about 24 hours. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, I know a lot of people will say that means have the the God kind of faith, and it may very well say that, but I just like that statement, have faith in God. It's so simple, but it says so much. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So Jesus is using his experience with the fig tree to teach the disciples about speaking to things. And so, first of all, he says, speak to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And so, we can do that. We can speak to things. But, he says, does not have doubt in his heart. And I think that's what gets us a lot of the time. We've got faith, but we've got doubt in there as well. And again, it just goes back to focus, focusing on the word. You know, I I love the parable of the sower. And I I think of the the second one where he talks about shallow soil and no roots. So that when persecution comes, your roots are pulled up. We really need to get into the word and stay focused and meditate on it and consider it so that we can have roots deep in the soil. So when things happen, we don't get yanked out of the ground. You know, that's so important. And in that portion of scripture where Jesus is teaching this, I think he says quite a few times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We need to be hearing the word of God all the time, especially if we're dealing with stuff. We need to hear it even more. (laughs) But we should be proactive, too, and be hearing it ahead of time. So that's one of the ways to deal with doubt, is just to 
turn our eyes on God and his word and away from all the negative stuff that's going on around about us. And sometimes that's hard because there are things screaming at us and in our face all day long. But it's something, you know, if you're not dealing with anything now, I don't know if anybody's not dealing with anything. (laughs) But, yeah, it's something to do (laughs) right now. Right from the get-go, start putting your eyes on God, because you're going to need it at some point. (laughs) Yeah. But then he says, whatever we ask, we can have. But first we ask and believe, and then we receive. So if there's a little bit of time in there, we just stay in faith. We still keep speaking it, and it will come. And... James talks about this too. We might as well have a look at what James has to say. James chapter 1, just after Hebrews. <laughs> James 1 and verses 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a dumbbell-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So again, God wants us to ask for wisdom. He's happy to give us wisdom. Isn't that great? But... Ask believing. You know, I I often think of this verse when I'm asking for wisdom, you know. (laughs) And sometimes it just, at the time you're asking, it just seems impossible. You think, I haven't a clue what to do at the time, you know. But you just have to move forward and believe that when the time comes, the wisdom is going to be there. And when you make a decision and do something, that God's just going to back you up. You know, he's, he's going to be there for you. So I find I have to give myself a little pep talk and say, just disregard all that doubt and move forward. <laughs> and so far, it's been working pretty good. There may be sometimes I'm not so sure, but so another aspect of prayer is asking. I know this is a big one that a lot of people focus on, but it's important because God said we could ask. And one of the great verses that I like on asking is Matthew 7. So let's go to Matthew 7, verse 7 to 11. Everybody's getting a lot of practice going through their Bible or their phones, whatever. (laughs) So verse 7, chapter 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I like the fact that ask, seek, and knock, the the first letters make up ask. I always thought that was kind of cool. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children— 
how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good thing, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want meant, oh no, I'll, I'll stop at 11. We're going on to something else there, but ask. Jesus is just saying, ask. You know, it's so simple. And he tells us that the Father loves to give us good things. He delights in giving them good, uh, his kids good things, just like an earthly father would. So that is so awesome. But there are many places where we read about asking in the New Testament. And let's go to John 14 again. A lot of good stuff in John 14, verse 13. Verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, and the fa- that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we ask in Jesus' name. We all know that, but that's for the people out there in, in YouTube land. <laughs> but, you know, we just simply ask in the name of Jesus. It's pretty simple. And then... Let's just go back. No, let's go to 1 John. 1 John 5. It's near the back of the Bible. First John 5, verse 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So I like that John says this is the confidence. We can have confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know his will from his word. That's the primary way we know it. Now, I realize that there are more subjective things that we might pray about, like, Who am I going to marry, or what job should I take, or where should I live? These are things that you're not going to find in the Word. But the Word does also give us some wisdom on how to ask for these things. You know, if it's a big life decision, you should go and talk to some people who know more about it than you do, you know, mature people, your elders, your pastors, people who've been there and done it. You know, you want to talk to those people. But you can still ask God because we have the Holy Spirit, and he will lead us by his peace. So we can ask and gain confidence in prayer, asking according to his will. And it says, and we know if we ask according to his will, he hears us, and that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) That's pretty awesome. And... One more on asking. Let's go to James 4. I am going to get to a few in the Old Testament, but I'm sticking to the New Testament because I think prayer is a little different for us. Quite a, quite a bit different, <laughs> actually. James 4, verse 1 to 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
So sometimes we got to check our motives when we pray, you know? <laughs> I'm sure we all have good motives here, but sometimes motives may be wrong. And sometimes he says here, sometimes you don't even have because you don't ask. Sometimes we don't even ask. I mean, we should ask for things. We should feel free to ask. But make sure your motives are right. Now, I do, I do have all these notes here, and I'm not going to uh, do all of them, but I'm, just, I'm going to do sort of the grand finale here, okay? I'll move to the grand finale. And I'm calling the last part, put God first. And I think a lot of people have used that phrase probably over the years, but there's a lady I watch on YouTube. She does cooking. You like cooking, Ashton? Yeah, yeah. So anyways... <laughs> I probably looked at her one day because she was making something that interests me. So I'm watching her cook. And I noticed on the cupboard over her head, it said, Jesus is Lord. And I thought, ooh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing how many YouTubers are Christians and use their channels as a platform. Anyways, when she got to the end, she always shares a scripture and she might share a few words with it, and then she always ends and says, remember, put God first. And so that phrase just stays with me. And when I, when I was preparing that, this message, that phrase, put God first, just kept coming to me. And so one of the ways we put God first is to begin our day with him in prayer. Now, I think most of us get up in the morning. We start our day in the morning. Some people may work shift work and morning doesn't work for you. But when we first get up, we can pray. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be difficult and complicated. Now I'm going to go to the Old Testament to see what they say about prayer in the morning. <laughs> and we just read this earlier in the week, Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verse 1. Because there are some good prayers in the Psalms especially if, if you want to praise and give thanks, really good. So the first three verses, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. I mean, that is so awesome that we can come to him in the morning and look up. It, it just sets the tone for our day, yeah. you know, when we look up. And Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. This is another one of my favorites. <laughs> so verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. That verse just has always really impressed me. And I'm just going to give you a, a little sample of what I do in the morning. I mean, everybody's different, and we all have our own relationship with God, and He may direct you a little differently. But even before I get out of bed, and because it's just me, well, I can do whatever I want, really. So, <laughs> so I prop myself up in bed. I'm a little tired, but I begin with praise and thanksgiving to God. You know, that's, and I think of this verse, 
and I declare his loving kindness over my day. And I'm looking up, I'm starting the day with praise and thanksgiving to God. And there's all kinds of things we can think of to thank him for. Our great salvation, you know, our wonderful salvation, that we got the Holy Spirit with us, who never leaves us or forsakes us. You know, you got a roof over your head, a bed to lie in. You know, we've got so many good things. So if that's all you did first thing in the morning, that would really set your day aright. But there's a lot of other things you can do. I'm going to share some of them with you, and it doesn't take long. I'm, I'm only really a few minutes in bed in the morning doing this. It doesn't take that long at all. <laughs> Especially, you know, when I used to work, I did not have a whole lot of time first thing in the morning, but I always tried to take some time. I tried very hard to take some time for God before I, I left the house. And one of the other things I like to do first thing in the morning is to consecrate myself to God every day because, you know, sometimes you, you might do it every now and then, or maybe you did it when you first got saved, but I find that, I guess because of the flesh and the world and all that, I really need to do it. I'm doing it more for me than for God. And so I use scripture, you know, this is a great way to pray. If you're not sure how to pray, use scripture. And of course, the more you're in the word, you're, the more scripture you're going to come across that you can use. So I go to, well, I kind of have it memorized, but I, we can just go and look at it. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. But I don't say that. I'll say, you know, Father, I present my body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. And I will not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. So that's short. doesn't take long to say that at all in the morning. I just mean it. And I really do have to depend on God's help there because, you know, 10 minutes later I might need to pray it again, you know. <laughs> but one of my favorite verses for that is that God is at work in me to will and to do his good pleasure because I just can't do it myself. And then... This is one I'm sure a lot of people use. I commit my day to God. And I use Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And, you know, I pretty well have that memorized too, but we can put our eyes on it. And again, I just make it a personal prayer to God. And I just say, Lord, I come to trust in you with all of my heart to lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge you, and you direct my paths. So I'm just committing myself to trusting God, because I do like to lean to my own understanding at times. So <laughs> that verse really speaks powerfully to me. So again, doesn't take long to pray that, does it? And I think you were saying, Pastor Nancy, maybe a couple weeks ago, I thought you, you and Pastor Gary like to make some declarations in the morning. So that's something else that doesn't take long. You can declare some scripture over your life, over other people's lives in the morning. We've got the I Am card. And if you don't have that, it, it's in some ways it's great to have ones that the Holy Spirit has given you for your life and to just declare those things in the morning. 
you can do that first thing. You might even be climbing out of bed at this point and heading to the bathroom or wherever you're going next, but you can be making some declarations. And then another thing you can do um, is cast your care on the Lord. Because you know, when you wake up in the morning, you might be thinking about stuff that you have to deal with that day, or that's coming up, <laughs> and you can be worrying about it. So I think one of the best scriptures for casting your care, in case you don't know how to do that, is Philippians 4, verses 4. I'll have to see how far we go. It's just after Ephesians. Well, yeah, we could start at, we can start at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your patience or gentleness, your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatsoever, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So we just simply tell God about our problems with thanksgiving, knowing that he's going to help you with them and take care of them. And then peace comes. You know, just the very act of telling God and thanking him, I find just doing that helps. And then he says, you want to focus on the right things and not the wrong things. Don't keep thinking about that problem over and over again, but think about how God's going to help you with it. And something else you can do, this isn't, uh, you know, you, there may be other things you, you do, but these are just things that I think of to do in the morning is to pray for others. You know, think about other people who you know that could use some prayer and pray for them. And this one, you well, it's if you have to get out of bed quickly in the morning and you don't have a lot of time, this one might be. A little harder, but it is listen. Just be quiet and listen to God. Don't do all the talking. Let Him tell you something. <laughs> so if you it and if you can't do it in the morning, try and carve out some time during the day. You know, ask God to help you with that, because we all have different schedules. We all have different demands put on us. You know, I always think if you're a working mother with kids, you don't have a whole lot of time to do anything, you know. So, it, it, but God's faithful. He'll help you to, to find time here and there. And again, it doesn't have to be a long time in the morning, but it's great if you can grab a few minutes in the morning to do some of these things. And the last thing I have here, and again, depending on how much time you have, Pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. And um, if you can take some time in the morning, great. But, you know, pr the nice thing about praying in tongues, if you, whenever you're kind of alone in your car, in the bathroom, wherever, 
You could pray in tongues. You know, I was at the doctor's office. You know what it's like at the doctor's? They take you out of the waiting room and they put you in the doctor's office and then and say, the doctor will be with you shortly. And you're in there forever. <laughs> well, I was in there, I think, 40 minutes the other day. And I'm thinking, I can pray in tongues. Oh, yeah. You know, so there, you never know. There's places you've never thought of you can pray in tongues. So the doctor was, 40 minutes later, the doctor came in. But I guess they're very, very busy, you know. I might as well pray for the doctor while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to look at some scriptures about praying in tongues because sometimes you think, you know, really, am I really saying anything? Am I just talking to the wall here? Like, you know. And some days it can be very dry. It can be. And other days it's like God starts speaking to you when you're praying in tongues. You know, he starts showing you things. Like even like I was preparing this and when I was praying in tongues one day, he was just downloading scriptures and things. He said, okay, talk about this, talk about this. So it can be very fruitful praying in tongues. But let's just have a look at 1 Corinthians 14. Just going to look at a few scriptures. And yeah, I'm almost finished, guys. <laughs> almost finished. 1 Corinthians 14. And the first verse I'm going to look at is verse 2. Because Paul here is speaking about how to handle yourself in a, in a service, I guess, and gifts of the Spirit. But he does give us some information on praying in tongues or speaking in tongues as well. So he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So when we are praying in tongues, we're doing this privately, we are speaking to God. It tells us we're speaking to God and we're speaking mysteries. And maybe God will show us some of those mysteries too, if we ask them, reveal them to us. And then verse 4, the first part of verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And edification is always a good thing. You know, that's a very positive thing. So it, it should be edifying. And verse 15 same chapter. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So Paul is saying here, it's very legitimate to sing and pray in the Spirit, just as it is to pray with your and sing with your understanding. And verse 18, I thank... 18, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So obviously, Paul is speaking in tongues a lot, not when he's just in, in a church service. So if it's, if it's good for Paul, it's good for us too, right? So I'll just leave it there. There's, I got more scripture, but I'll, I'll just leave it there. But I just want to... Uh, just remind you that prayer is a part of our relationship with God. Now, I, a gal I get daily devotionals from who's Jewish, <laughs> and they're interesting, but she says for the Jews, prayer is a work of the heart. 
So it's a work of the heart, it's a relationship, it's not just a religious duty. So if you find it, it's, it's becoming a religious duty, talk to God and make some changes. I've given you some ideas today. The Word gives us ideas. And it's something that really comes from our oneness and abiding with the Lord. It comes out of our relationship with Him. It's simple. It's based on the truth of the Word of God. It's the will of God. And we need the Holy Spirit's help, so we should depend on the Holy Spirit. It's based on faith, which is a gift of God to us. And we need to get rid of any doubts that we have by focusing on His Word. And put God first. Put Him first at the beginning of your day. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.